Welcome to the PR Resolution Podcast. I'm your host, Stella Bales. In this podcast series, I'll be interviewing experts in emerging areas of PR. We'll be taking those hot topics in public relations, dispelling any myths, breaking down the jargon, so you are completely clued up and ready to speak to your stakeholders by the time you reach the office. If you have any questions around the episode, please feel free to tweet me at Stella Bales. In most cases in public relations, we're set objectives by a marketing team. They would have been formed from business goals originally and set by the leads of the business, but often PR is a few levels down. What happens when a PR team not only has access to a CEO, but they come up with a PR campaign together? Well, you get tada, Tinder for cows. <laughs> That's what can happen. So I was lucky enough to meet up with Doug Berner, who's the CEO of Hector, an agricultural technology business, and the lead of their PR agency, John Lonsdale, who's at Octopus Group. We got to talk about cows, Tinder, PR, and what it did for their business. So in this interview, I find out how a B2B agency came up with a consumer idea and why it worked, what a CEO really wants in terms of success and measurement from marketing, how a powerful collaborative agency and client relationship can be, and how a serious story can be told through a fun app and actually grow a business. And also, why Cow Tinder gave me goosebumps. <laughs> Here's Doug and John. Okay, so earlier on this year, I was aware of a really funny story which really caught a lot of people's attention. And it was an app called Tuzza, which was the Tinder for cows. Then I found out that Octopus Group were behind this. So I had to find out more because I, I know John Lonsdale, which some of you listeners will do too. But I'm now joined by CEO of Hector, which is the main business behind Tuzza. And also John from Octopus Group. Hello, welcome. Thank you for joining me both. So Doug, I'm going to start with you, first of all. Can you tell us a little bit about Hector before we jump into Tudder, which is Tinder for cows? Sure. I mean, what Hector are all about, we're digitising the agricultural industry from a, a trading point of view. So traditionally, when farmers wanted to sell the outputs of what they're doing, so whether that's a livestock farmer or a grain farmer, they would have to go down pretty analogue routes. So traditional livestock markets... Grain trading is still done via a lot of phone bashing. So you know, we're, we're answering the challenge, which is a lot of livestock markets have closed down now. So it could be hundreds of miles away, which causes all sorts of problems, not just for the farmer, but also for the animals. And yeah, we're bringing all that online and creating marketplaces for farmers to trade on. Amazing. It's a whole new world to me. I have, I have no experience in the farming world at all until I came across Tudder. But right, so it is really, really interesting that there's a technology field to this, which now starts to make sense of why you might be working with Octopus Group. So your CEO, Hector, at what point did you decide we need a marketing agency? Well, I guess my background, I'm not from a farming background either. So I'm from a consumer goods background. So I've come from brands like of Brewdog and Red Bull. So I you know, understand you know, how, how marketing can add to, you know, to your story. And I think stories are really what makes our you know, communication come to life. Everyone gets bombarded with thousands of marketing messages every day. And for me, what the art of marketing is about is about telling a story or weaving yourself into somebody else's story so it makes sense to them. So when we put together our business plan for the year, I was really passionate about finding a great communications and PR agency to work with who could help us to get those stories out there and, and help to craft them. And you know, we were lucky enough to, to work with the Optus guys on creating Tudder you know, jointly with them and getting it out there. So it's been a massive success for us. 
So you said that you've worked at some wicked brands there. You just said Red Bull and BrewDog as well. Was that a marketing role that you were doing there? I've kind of gone across commercial and marketing roles yeah, through my career. So yeah, a bit of, bit of everything. Okay, so you got in touch with Octopus Group. Can we talk about how it went from brief to ideation? <laughs> because a Tinder for cows is not an expected idea <laughs> that you'd normally come up with. How did that start? Well, I guess yeah, we, we had a, a, a bit of a few beers on a Friday afternoon, really, is how it, how it originally kicked off. And Jamie, who's our CTO, had said, I've always had this thought that actually Tinder is actually more appropriate for, for cattle than it is for humans because it should all be about the data. Matching cows is all about statistics, really. So it's uh, much less about a self-proclaimed you know, good sense of humour that the, a human you know, would be. And so, yeah, then we sort of floated that to these guys and, and off we ran. I was thinking about this the other day. And when you think about the process, it's usually this idea of an agency coming in, madman style, giving them the big insight and delivering an idea. I remember Doug sharing at the briefing stage, like a list, it's like scribbled on the back of a fag packet, but a list of, from a brainstorm, 20 things that they thought of. Doug's really marketing focused as well. And Jamie, the, the CTO, is also from a marketing background. So there's just tons of like ideas. And they gave us this and said, look, we've got loads of scribbling, some ideas, but we, and we want to change farming via technology. How are we going to do it? And we went down the list and one of, the, one of them, I've still got the piece of paper, was you know, Tinder for cows, question mark. And that was where this started. And then we went into pitch mode and we presented some ideas. But even then, I don't think we really understood what that could be. So what was really lovely about the way this idea came about was that we said if we're going to tell a story about matching cows and bulls together like like on tinder we've got to create an app because like that, you've just got to do it and then obviously hectare is a relatively small team of people so and we've got tons of things to say and do in our campaign so it's sort of in every meeting it was it was like on the aob it's like what we're going to do about what we're going to do about tinder for cows because it's just too, too good an idea not to go through and jamie the cto said you need to give me a couple of weeks where I've got some development time and I'm going to cook up something and every every week we had our calls Jamie hasn't had time this week Jamie hasn't had time because we knew what a great story it was but we needed to find a way of bringing it to life and then Christmas came so we'd marked it as a February thing because we thought Valentine's Day you know you've just got to do it around Valentine's Day and then he came back after Christmas and said I think I've cracked it guys he must have had a couple of hours free after his turkey. And he just said, what do you think of this? And it's just, this app was simple but hilarious in the sense that literally the bull, the bull or a cow came up, you either greened or redded it, you swiped left or right, and he made this amazing moo- mooing sound if it was positive <laughs> and a real like sad mooing sound if it was negative. And um, we all just like fell about uh, in the meeting room and Jamie said, what do you think? It's like, Jamie, it's brilliant. And I think that's when we realised, and this was like January, that we could actually do something quite cool. I think we'd always thought about, it's a great story, someone will write about it. But until we've got something to show people, what can we do? And then we set about the plan in place to actually make it into a PR campaign. But it was actually quite organic. It was just something we knew we we had in the bag, but we weren't quite sure how to bring it to life. And once we saw the app, we were then, right, now we can launch this Valentine's Day, we've got a plan. And then we drew a plan to, to do it. So that's how the idea came about. It wasn't some beautiful pitch that we did. It was just like, we've got to do this, Jamie. And we, we, we did. Yeah. I feel like some of the best ideas that I've ever worked on have been when you fall about laughing in the, in the meeting room. And they always end up being the most successful ones. I think it should be a gauge of success in agencies, actually. Yeah. I just want to go back a little to Hector. And just before we sort of dive more into, into the campaign... I know from working agency side for years, there was obviously different 
different sizes of organisations from huge international businesses that you might be representing right through to sort of owner-managed small, smaller startups or whatever they might be. And with those different sizes of organisations come different types of objectives and KPIs. But quite often it's very difficult to be speaking to the lead of that business. And quite often us in PR agencies, we have the PR director um, or the marketing director and and they're setting those objectives and those KPIs and, and briefs for us to meet. You're the CEO and I just want to sort of go back to you said that it was important that marketing's involved in, in the messaging and telling stories, but was there a, a point where you want to get Hector to? Is there something you wanted to do with the business and why this is part of that journey? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for us, this was about growing our user base in the UK, but also what it's ended up doing is also opening up a potential user base internationally, which was completely unexpected. Wow. And from the UK point of view, I think when we brought this to, to John and his team, we, were, we had about 40,000 users in the UK, which is, there are 140,000 farmers in the UK, so we were roughly about 30% of into the market. But we were starting to see that user growth slow down a little bit, and we were thinking about ways of how do we kick it on again. And so it was really with the thought of a big awareness driving thing that would get into, into farming media and also mainstream media that farmers read. And I think for us, farming's typically in the media when something's bad and it always feels a little bit downtrodden and we wanted to come with a, a bit more of a fun message that would get cut through and it's about being disruptive our whole business is about being disruptive so we wanted to present a serious point in a fun disruptive kind of way and so it just all fitted really nicely together so so that it helped us to kick on from we we're putting on about a thousand users a month as soon as Tudder kicked off that went to 2,000 users a month that's then carried on for the rest of the year so we're up to nearly 40% of UK farmers now. And then, as I say, the, the unexpected bit was, I remember getting the, it landed in the Sunday Times, and I remember getting a phone call at lunchtime on Sunday saying, Bloomberg would like to speak to you. I was like, okay, crap, right, yeah, let's talk. And spoke to them, and I think then after that, the next 10 days were a, a global smorgasbord of, of media interviews and, and conversations, which meant that you know, the result of that was the US was our biggest download of the app of any country by a long way. We were on agricultural TV in the US in the biggest piece of agricultural print media out there. And we got loads of trade inquiries as well. So suddenly our business plan has gone from being UK focused to now looking at how to crack America in the next 18 months. Doug, you're giving me goosebumps about how powerful PR can be. Is it great, isn't it? <laughs> right, okay, so let's get down to the nitty gritty. What happens with the part of the case? You've got the idea, you've got the app. What was the activation plan? How did you get to that success that Doug's just told us about? Yeah, so, I mean, what, what I think is nice about this campaign was there's, there's a couple of things. One is, Doug's already mentioned, that the fact that it was just a slam dunk in terms of the humour that was used. And I think it came at a time in February, it's not that long ago, but the media cycle was pretty negative. You know, all the business journalists were writing about UK trade and, you know, very downtrodden stories. So just to have something that was just fun and made people smile, I'm convinced is part of the reason why it just really flew. And, you know, people were looking for positive news and fun news in a, in a, in a news cycle. So that was the first thing. The other thing that's nice about this is, like, as an agency, you spend all, a lot of your time talking about digital media, the use of paid, how that's all supports. But really what this was at its heart was just a really good old-fashioned PR idea. So it's a great reminder that the storytelling and the, 
the good fashion media relations still has its place, which I, I think is really nice. So how it came about was we created some great photography because we knew that was it was a really visual story. We created some digital banners so that we could show how it worked. We also created some Valentine's cards for all the UK media with a, with a Tudor message on it. Obviously, we had a, you know, the usual press kit that you, that you develop. But the media strategy was to actually try and place it in a national on the Sunday and then go from there, which we managed to do in the Sunday Times, which was just a great piece. The headline was Swipe Right for a Heifer, um, which I still think is one of the best headlines. <laughs> Thanks, Sunday Times. Um, but that then led the news cycle, then picked it up, Bloomberg, picked it up on the Sunday. And I think that... Then on the Monday morning, literally, we walked in here at nine o'clock and literally all the phones were ringing. And it was just one of them moments as a PR person that you probably only have in a few times in your career where at one point, like all the national newspapers were on the, on the phone to the team because they got, obviously got rooted through. And um, it just went crazy from there. Then, you, you know, pretty much every, I think it was in every national newspaper apart from the FT. They were quite annoyed because we hadn't briefed them early enough, which is quite nice. And then it just went on through the broadcast channels. Another thing that really drove the broadcast stuff was we got Reuters TV did a piece, came down to meet the guys who were actually based on a farm, which really helped. Some great footage, but that Reuters TV piece then just gets syndicated globally to all the broadcasters. So every, you know, from the most obscure station in the US, regional TV, all the way through China, you know, I think we were in like 38 countries. And I remember vividly on the Friday as we would we'd sort of tying up the deal with the Sunday Times to, to go exclusive on it first, the guys were like, oh, in the office, we're sort of like, this is great, we managed to get Sunday Times. And I remember saying to them, you do realise how big this could go, you know, if, if, if this all goes to plan. I said, let's not jinx it, but, you know, could go mad. And they were all going, yeah, but I'm not quite sure. You know, it's still quite a light story. And then just to see it, like, explode the week after was just, like, brilliant. And to be fair to Doug and the team, you know, what was lovely about it was I think we were all just joyous and surprised at how well it was going. So Doug and I had a conversation, I remember, on the Tuesdays, like, what should we do about, should we go and do this opportunity because it was a little bit obscure? And I said, I think we've just got to do everything because mm-hmm. I think it's one of those moments where you just have to go for it. And I think that was, that was probably the right approach because that opened up tons of doors. Yeah. So yeah, that's what actually unfolded. And as, as I say, that probably then took probably two to three weeks of just craziness uh, from there. And even six months later, we're still getting inquiries and we're still getting random broadcasters calling us up for interviews and stuff so it's quite, it's quite a magical moment of that yeah. sort of reactive PR so you've talked about how reactive that has been from some of the planned pieces did you still follow through with all of the other like plans lines of activity or did you change the campaign after it started to go crazy yeah we, we did have to adapt it mid-flow I mean I think just because our biggest challenge was we just couldn't keep hold of ev- everything usually you're trying to track all your coverage and all your hits Actually, our problem was we just knew we just couldn't, which, you know, the measurement side of it is, is probably something we'll talk about. But one thing we did do was, because it was actually pretty analogue, we'd, we'd placed it in the newspaper, we'd done press release, we'd done photography. What we didn't have was too many online, digital assets, bizarrely. We'd created the app and that was available for download, which was great, but just ways in which people could take content out and put it online. So we, we very quickly created effectively like an online promo that we could use for a little bit of paid and that people could actually embed in stories. And that really kick-started a lot of the social stuff that happened. That started to get retweeted. One of the other things that, that happened, which was, which was lovely to see, was a lot of our online social stuff was driven by the journalists themselves. So what we found was a lot of the journalists who wrote about the story then tweeted from their own channels about how cool the story was. 
And I think one BBC journalist even said this was just a great story, light relief from all the, all the turmoil going on in the UK economy. And that just got like loads of retweets. So the journalists then started to compete about headlines because there's so many puns you can make about cows, it turns out, that you, in fact, some of the journalists in the BBC were having competitions who could come up with the best pun, no yeah, which just drove this like really interesting little, these conversations that were just getting retweeted. So the online stuff then just just became viral when Instagram got, got involved and then it went, it, it, then it started to get really crazy. So we did change a few things mid-tack, but to be honest, it, the snowball was just so big that we just kept, kept going with it. You talked, Doug, you talked about the increase of inquiries from new markets, which is just exactly what you want from something like this. How does that happen for your business? Is it something online? Where were you driving the sort of interest and traffic from this campaign back through to your business and actually through to inquiries? Was there, is there an area on the website, for example, in a simple term? I guess yeah, we, yeah, we were driving lots of traffic through to uh, to sell my livestock. So the the app, the Tudder app, was linking into our our main site. So that was the the golden here, you know. So as well as having nineteen thousand app downloads around the world now, which was amazing at the time, we were up there in the Apple business charts with likes of Google Analytics, and and we were just laughing, thinking with a very modest budget and a lot of you know, a lot of hard work by a lot of people, we suddenly. You know, eclipse some massive global brands into uh, into our app downloads, which is amazing. So, you say we've got a great great door into into everyone's phones now, which is great, into say twenty thousand phones around the world. But also, say it drove it into our into our main site. I think the other thing for us in the how we kind of adapted in the in the campaign, we recognised that the humour got us into the story and, and got people interested. And then, from a credibility and farming point of view, it was really important that we converted that humour into the back into the serious message and I think you know it's probably brands might be a bit nervous of, of doing that but it, it works you know you, you can you can tell a, a good interesting humorous story but also make a serious point at the same time yeah I think that was actually something that got my attention because octopus group known for b2b and this is very big powerful consumer story that's gone around the world but it's not until you read a little bit more that actually you're still really getting the message to home. And that's why I was so interested personally to speak to you both, because it's really driving those business results. It's not just a, a nice PR story. Yeah. You're actually getting those results at the end. And I think that Doug makes a really good point. I think a few people have said to me, like mates in the industry, it must have been a gift for, for Todd to come to you and say, launch this app because it's just such a great story. And I keep saying, no, we created the app to tell a story about Sell My Livestock, which is the, the brand that we want everyone to go and visit. So it, it really was, a, I feel like, a really simple companion app which just showcased what, what Hector can do, which I think is why it's really, you know, a really powerful B2B campaign because the story about, you know, we're here, here to support farmers through technology and they're actually a bunch of people who really need technology to help drive their business and grow their business really came through. And I think Doug takes a lot of credit uh, with the team for actually, like, spotting that and saying, yeah, we can't just go, oh, look, this is all, like, you know, this, is, this isn't a B2C story. This is about, no, we're using the Tinder analogy to tell the world why farming needs help with technology and uh, that that really came through so th- i think that's that was that was why i think we were involved you know this wasn't to launch a new dating app this was to look, tell a story about farming yeah i think it's so important where we're at sort of going into 2020 like when, to just for, drop some of those labels of i am b2c i am b2b i am pr i am seo you know it's just it's just good comms isn't it it's great you had so much great reaction from media 
Was it a surprise? Well, actually, I already know it was a surprise as how much interest you had. But were, Doug, were you expecting to be as involved with so many interviews and so much reaction to the media at the time? Definitely not. <laughs> um, no, we, we, we kind of thought it would be a nice, you know, picked up story in one of the, uh, the main mainstream newspapers, a bit of you know, farming industry interest. But it blew us absolutely out of the water. You know, it was, I think it was over... A, 1,100 pieces of media coverage around the world, and it hit 1.4 billion people around the world, which is just nuts. So, you know, it, it was a, it was clear, clear the diary, and, and just you know, we became a media liaison business for probably 10 days. But you know, absolutely the right thing to do to to get that message out there. I so say we've now, I guess, you know, got ourselves known into countries that never heard of us before, which paves the way for a business plan to to go in there and say, um, we've had you know, one of the one of the biggest livestock businesses in the US come to us and say, when can you launch over here? So yeah, it just gives us a great platform to, to be able to expand the business globally. It's so good to hear that you, you know, you just said cleared the diary for 10 days and just got involved in those interviews. From a PR agency perspective, sometimes that's really difficult for us to try and do that with our clients and trying to get them involved and just available in that sort of quick turnaround. But I guess you could see the opportunity quite quickly. But also, I wanted to just sort of focus on that for a little bit, just around, you know, going back to that point of sometimes we're briefed just by the marketing director or just by the PR director. But we can see with this example, like how powerful it's been that the leads of the business were involved. Can you sort of, you know, thinking about the position you're in now or past positions, can you give any tips to PR teams in how to get the ear of the CEO and how to, to get them involved in marketing campaigns? I think show them examples of how it can work. You know, and I guess you know, I'm lucky enough to have worked in the likes of Brewdog and, and Red Bull and Innocent where you know, had great stories to tell and they resonate with consumers. And I think they're the brands that, that do, do the best in most industries, are the ones who've got a good story to tell. And for me, you can try and do that on your own and you can spend millions doing it and it still won't get the same level of, of cut through and, and connection, I think, that you can get with a really well-told story. You can't do a well-told story on a you know, piece of TV copy or a, you know, a print ad. You've got to be able to get into more depth than that and, and tell it from various different angles and tell it to different audiences and tell it in different ways. So for me, it's kind of, I guess, ingrained in my just way of getting you know, my business's message across that PR and storytelling is absolutely core to that. So, yeah, I'd, I'd say you know, just show CEOs and, and commercial directors as well of you know, how you can get... You know, really powerful messages out there and stories out there in a way that you know, feels much more natural and much more engaging than just spending a, a boatload of money on some Facebook ads and, and, you know, and doing a bit of TV work. When you were choosing an agency, whether it was this time or if it's in past times, getting to the nitty gritty, are there particular metrics or proof in success that you're looking for? I guess I'd always look for, for agencies that want to prove the ROI to and yeah, it's, that's one of the things that we loved about Octopus is, you know, these guys want to see everything through to the end result that you're looking for. So you know, that, I think that's important when pitching to any, any CEO or you know, commercially minded person that they'll want to see the return on, on that investment. And it's always been typically tough to do that, I think, with, with PR. But I think there are ways of alluding to it and you know, getting better at ways of actually proving it. And, and for me, you know, I think if someone had told me with the budget that we had that we'd hit you know, the eyeballs that we did with this story, um, I'd have laughed you out of the room. So you know, the proof is uh, sometimes in the pudding. 
it is a bit can be a bit of a risk because it's not as controllable as as some other budgets. But you've got to accept that and build it into your mix. And you know, we do a, a, a good bit of spending through Facebook ads and, and Google ads, and they work for us. But they need to be supplemented by something that tells a story on a much deeper level, and that's where you can take a bit more of a risk. This podcast is brought to you by Coverage Book, the reporting tool that's made by PR people for PR people. Head to coveragebook.com for your free trial. Getting into the measurement. We love having chats about measurement, don't we? <laughs> so how, let's use this, this example, uh, this campaign, it's a great campaign. How did you measure this huge success? Well, I, I guess, you know, the, the great thing about w- working with the guys at Hector is I think they're very realistic about what's possible. And I think, you know, we forget that Agritech's a corner of the market. Hector's a s- small business with only a certain amount of resources. So I think really our goal for this was really to get some national coverage. I mean, we just had a hunch that it's got to be a great picture story. It's got to get in the national media. And that was quite a big achievement for Hector because it hadn't really been written about outside the farming press. So really, uh, you know, if you like, that the, the expectations for something that was quite low cost, low budget were just like, if this helps us get national awareness, big tick. So we got that on the first day. So that was a nice to say, you know, objective achieved. Doug didn't say to us, I want X, this is what I'm looking for, which really gave us the freedom to just experiment and do stuff. And so we didn't have a set of KPIs other than we want to get national media, so we achieved that. What we were really interested in, as Doug alluded to, was just what the impact was having on the business, what what inquiries were coming in, what what was the traffic to the website. And because the guys sit on those metrics, we could get that pretty much live, or the day after at least. Actually, one of the, the things we learned was the, the actual app store is really, it's really hard to get data out of what's going on online with downloads. And that was a bit frustrating to us because we knew there was lots of downloads, but we weren't getting that info till some days later. So that was a little bit slower than we would have liked, ironically. But just seeing the, the impact and, um, you know, we could almost track it with, I remember one particular time where there was just a massive peak on the website a few, well, it was a week after launch. And we worked out that it was because Beef Magazine, as Doug mentioned, which is the biggest farming magazine in the, in the US, we didn't even know, know it existed because we weren't targeting the states. I'd done a piece on it and it literally drove tons of farmers to the website. And, you know, that's since led to loads of really cool, interesting commercial conversations, never mind, you know, the traffic that it, it gave. So, you know, that is almost tick, tick before you start. So in terms of just capturing the coverage and... Uh, tracking it we used um, Sysamos to do that which is a tool that we use across the agency which was really useful just for just getting your arms around the online and actually showing a dashboard of where things were going we were almost at the point now every day where we didn't have time to evaluate it properly so all the evaluation came in over the overnight and we looked at it the next morning but then it was like fielding interviews briefing Doug on stuff so really the evaluation sort of happened afterwards you know after the fact because it was such a crazy few weeks but it was you know what, what's great about a campaign and why I think it's been nominated for quite a few awards is just the the commercial impact that Doug can talk to you just don't get with lots of campaigns mainly because you're not tied into the business and commercials often as an agency so that's been all the ultimate measure for me is like seeing all these great things that the business is now doing as a result of trusting in the idea if you like mm. so that's been the coolest thing yeah I think that's quite um, a good point just for listeners to focus on especially in agencies is that I know that we spend a long time setting up all of the measurement right at the beginning of a campaign but with this like you just said that that example with Beef Magazine in the US then drove lots of traffic and then you had to sort of see where that traffic had come from it's just important to have have your tools set up 
But the way that you track and measure might have to pivot midway through the campaign because you just didn't know that that was going to happen, right? So you didn't know that you needed to have the analytics and where that traffic might be. So yeah, I mean, it was even. I mean, you know, there was no pressure from the guys at Hectare to like tell tell. They knew that this was just like a bit of a sort of bombardment of interest. So they were busy fielding that. Uh, it was more for us actually just to say, learning from each each day. We'd sit down and go right. What happened overnight? And just crazy things were happening, like people we knew in different countries were phoning us up going, that was in the biggest publication in Turkey today. Did you see it? And we were like, well, no, we haven't seen it. And like we were just finding stuff out from the network, which is, was quite an interesting dynamic because usually as a PR agency, you're, you're trawling around for all the things that you might have missed and it's, your, it's on you to capture everything. But on this, it was like the, the dynamic was flipped. In the end, we said, like, we, just, we need to be spending the time getting more opportunities for these guys while we can rather than spending all our time chasing down coverage. We've just got to, like, park it. So it was quite an interesting dynamic. Usually, yeah, have we got enough pieces of coverage to achieve the targets? This was the opposite, which is quite, well, I say, unique situation, really. Do you have, uh, just for an octopus structure question, do you have people who are just involved in measurement or is that a mixture of people involved in the activation and they're measuring as they go yeah it's it's the latter so you know all the campaigns that we have will have some sort of metric attached to them and we're we've got tools set up across the agency that we can dip into to use at different times but of course you know I wish it weren't true but not every campaign is a tudder so you know you don't get that reaction from all every campaign so you have to be realistic about where it's going to go a lot of our campaigns are very even more niche than this or not even targeted at a more national audience so we just need the toolkit to allow all the teams to measure at the, at the right pace but yeah that's how we work and putting maybe this example because it's so huge this campaign um, to a side but generally as a as a CEO how do you like to be updated about the success or or what's been going on with public relations exactly as as John Reed does it and his team does it so we we catch up on a weekly basis and we'll track you know what's happening you know what's been covered and and who we've you know, got uh, got conversations going with so we see that on a on a weekly basis and then we'll also catch up um, every month and every quarter and just look back and see what's worked what hasn't and what are we looking at for the plan for the next quarter so you know tud has been obviously a huge blow away success we've also had a ton of other coverage in in our real core target media in the um, in the farming press on lots of other you know launches that we've done and other side stories and we're contributing to conversations on you know on brexit and on what's happening in you know the the, the next agricultural bill and getting into some really meaty subjects. So, yeah, this is, TUD has obviously been the huge spike in, in our activity across the year, but we've had a really lovely underlying you know, baseline of, of conversation. And it's great that you know, we just track that on a, say, a regular basis with these guys. Um, so weekly and quarterly, you're, you're looking back, you, you said that. Weekly, we're, we're kind of work in progress and seeing what's, what's going on. And then monthly and quarterly, we'll do a bit more of a formal review and look back and then start planning for the next, next month. Just to jump in there, I think one of the things that's really great about working with Hector, which I think we're starting to see with other really fast growth tech businesses, is when the founding team is involved and they're very close to the product, we, we've got a Slack group, which we're all on, in fact, the, the whole team here and, and virtually the whole company at, at Hectare or the, the, those involved. And just the, the way in which we get stuff done is like, I think, just really innovative. Um, and it's just because Doug's created an environment where everything is open and shared. But even looking back to Tudor and other th- projects we're now doing, just everything happens really quickly. So we're on, we're on all the Slack channels. That whole company knows that you know, when, when something's going on, if there's someone not around, we can move things on. So you don't get that sort of 
those silos that you get and you've seen I'm sure where you're dealing with a PR team that's then trying to find information it's just like really open really quick and that that's the only I don't think we would have been able to get through all the work if that hadn't have been the case it's not the case in so many brands and so many businesses for any of our listeners who are in-house and maybe don't have that kind of setup do you ever find that that kind of involvement from all of your team involved in marketing and PR is a distraction no it's it's you know, it just means that everyone everyone gets excited and gets involved in it, and also we get the right people to be talking about the right things. So for us, you know, we we think it you know, motivates our own people, and also say taps into their relevant areas that they're you know, massive experts in. So for me, you say it it should be everybody sharing this about. This is about getting your story out there. So you know, that should be a priority most of the time. You know, for sure, you want to be able to commercialise it and prioritise it and could we cope with that happening every week no but that doesn't happen every week that's the that's the one that you just got to jump on and ride it as hard as you can for as, uh, as long as it lasts and take advantage at the other end of it and figure out where those commercial opportunities come out of it which say they will do you've just got to trust that they will and you just got to trust that you, know, you will as I say putting putting money into into campaigns like that is you know there is a, a baseline of it which is just getting your your fundamentals out there that is i wouldn't say controllable but you you you've, you'd expect a nice level of roi and then there are campaigns like this where it can just take off now can you brief get me a viral campaign no uh, you know, it will happen if it happens and you'll look at a campaign and think that might have the potential but you can't you can't plan for it so you've just got to take a bit of a balanced approach of saying what are the areas where i can feel like we will get you know, core coverage and core um, you know, core publications, and then what are the two or three campaigns in a year that actually could go pretty mental? As an outsider, it really feels that the difference here in comparison to maybe other organisations and PR campaigns is that everyone's involved, but that it's not just a PR story. It's not just a PR key message that only the marketing team know about. It's it's absolutely flowed through to your whole business and it's believable and, and it's, you know, the passion behind it. So even if your team aren't being distracted and being involved and having to work on a PR campaign, they're believing in it, right? So. Yeah, absolutely. And it goes beyond the team as well. We, we had so many requests to say, can we speak to a farmer who uses your system? We're like, yeah, absolutely, 100%. And so we had our own customers and users involved in the campaign as well, which is brilliant. And, you know, and with you know, no briefing from us, just say, this is a journalist who wants to speak to you and find out about your experiences. They told a lot of our key messages without us having to do it ourselves, which was absolutely golden. So, you know, so it was nice that, again, I think you just got to trust that people who you know, love what you do and are willing to you know, to speak to a journalist about it are going to say great things. You don't need to give them a load of bullet points of what you'd want them to cover. Having that full involvement is, is such a great learning. On that note, have there been any learnings for marketing for you as a, as a business with Hector, Doug, and then also, John, I'm going to come to you for Octopus Group and other clients as well. So anything that you'd do differently in the future? I think it's really opened my eyes to what I talked about earlier, which is you can make a serious point with a, a fun uh, lead-in. And so don't ever shy away from that. And so particularly, I say, farming is a, is a serious industry and, and they, you know, they want to be taken seriously. So there was a bit of a risk in this and we recognise that pretty early that is, you know, the reporting could see, seem to be quite tongue-in-cheek and, and all about the humour. And so it's just a case of you know, quickly converting that into a serious conversation. 
but as I say, for me, that it really brought that home that you can get across, you know, serious commercial points with a really fun tongue-in-cheek marketing message. And John, for Octopus Group as an agency, have you, has there been any learnings from this campaign that you want to move forward and, and as a working relationship with this kind of client as well? Yeah, definitely. So the, the, the one is like, I think now, you know, we're using sort of the way we work with Hectare as a way to engage with new clients. So in you know, maybe similar in different sectors, but in that fast growth mode. So the way we set up accounts is all about collaboration and it's some of the things we've learned from seeing how it worked at the extreme level with Tutta, we can take into more normal campaigns and that's working really well. So, and getting the, getting the founding team's engagement in the program. I mean, we love working with fast growth tech businesses, but this is really why you do it because, you know, the people out there, the team at Octopus Group, you know, if you ask them what their favourite client was, I'm sure they'd say Hector because they can say things in a brainstorm and it appears in the product the week after. I mean, it's just amazing. Like, when do you ever get that chance with, you know, sort of perhaps bigger brands who rely on you just for the public relations part or the key messages? So that first thing is really important for Octopus. The second thing is, you know, if you go to a conference on B2B marketing or, you know, even a PR conference, there's a lot of talk about storytelling and using humour and stuff. And I always have talked about that for years. Is like, you know, just because we talk to businesses doesn't mean we're not, we don't have to think like consumers. But just to see it happen and show people that the Tudor case study, maybe new prospective clients or even existing clients, and see their eyes light up and go, we could do that for healthcare or we could do that for, you know, a different sector that we've done it for farming and we've managed to tell a really serious story with, with, a, with a sort of fun campaign. What, why can't we do it elsewhere? So it's given, it's giving other clients and you know us I guess confidence that you can really think a bit differently and be a bit braver and the results will come and you can't argue with these results so th- those are the two things I would I would take from it and just a really nice reminder of like to all the people in agency of like why you do what you do mm. and so much of what we do sometimes is it's really cranking the wheel and it's like trying to hit monthly targets for for press office campaigns so to have something that just captures everyone's imagination is a really powerful tool you know to remind people why they got into agencies in the first place yeah and all of us in the industry i said right at the beginning that you know i was getting goosebumps when i was hearing about the the impact it's had to your business it's so good to see pr really having that kind of impact guys what an amazing campaign um and a brilliant lovely relationship as well between agency and client as well and hopefully the listeners can take some tips there on how to build their relationships in the same way thank you so so much doug absolute pleasure Thank you, John. Thanks for having us. Cheers. This is the PR Resolution Podcast. Keep in touch by following me on Twitter, at Stella Bales. For more reading on PR, head to blog.coveragebook.com. Don't forget to tune in to the next episode and make sure you subscribe to the series on iTunes now. See you there.